Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another edition of Leaders and Learners, where we know that the best leaders are lifetime learners. And today I'm going to bring to you a special guest. He's a magazine publisher, but more than that, he is a man that has poured his soul into his own publication. Um, and he is a man that gives back to his community. Um, he lives the brand that he has bred. And what you should know by now is that any entrepreneur that is doing great things, it takes a lot of them personally. It takes a lot of them emotionally. So in observance of mental health awareness month and trauma recovery month, we are going to get into some of the mental illness um, and mental health conversations that we've been having this month. And we're also gonna talk about how he keeps himself uh, mentally fit for the challenge of entrepreneurship and running a publication. So um, it is definitely all in the name for him. So I want you guys to meet Mr. Ben, be an original Moody. Thank you so much for being here today. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Man, I um, want the audience to know, first of all, this right here is a very authentic relationship, right? In business, it's important to have a little give and take. Sometimes it might be a lot of give and take, but at the end of the day, you know that it's a mutual respect and a mutual give and take. So Ben and I, um, you know, we we'll get into the story a little bit, but it's been a mutual back and forth. And when you know someone's giving off the same energy as you and has the same respect for their brand and authenticity, um, that's one of the most important reasons that I have him here because his ability to be authentic is incredible. So thank you, Ben, for being so amazing in what you do and then how you give back to the culture and this industry. Um, I want you to go ahead and let the people know about your publication and how you got to this point. Well, thank you so much again for having me. I appreciate you sharing your platform with me. Um, I am the publisher of Urban Magazine. Urban Magazine is a full, full color digital platform. Um, it's a digital publication. I, I would say like more like a flip book compared to the experience that you would have if you visit a print newsstand. Um, I got to the point of launching Urban Magazine at, because I contribute to several of the major platforms, including Double XL, The Source, Five. Now I don't want to go on and on, but I, I've, I've, I've done my share of, of major platforms, and I decided that I wanted to provide the culture with my own perspective, with my own voice, and making, you know, choices that I felt was appropriate and beneficial to the culture. Here at Urban, you know, we're not we're not here chasing the hype or cloud, you know, cloud or whatever. We're just trying to focus on primarily uplifting people of talent, people of color, you know, um, and, and present them in a positive way without all the negativity. So those are the reasons why those are the focus of focus of my platform. I love that. And one of the things that I appreciate most is the ability to tell true stories, right? What are some of the stories that you would consider are the most um, the most powerful stories that you've been able to tell through your medium? 
Well, I think that last May, last May we presented the cover of Ahmad Arbery, and in the cover it says "Stop effing killing us," but you know, without the censorship. And I think that that was my, <laughs> that was probably one of my favorite covers, um, as far as you know, social issues go, because it, it's gotten to a point, you know, it's been a long time. Like I remember my entire life that from the moment that the average black child goes outside to play, we are taught to be fearful of the police. We are taught, you know, that how we engage with the police can be the difference between life and death for us. So it's very important that, um, you know, it's very, it's, it's something that's been going on, you know, my, my entire life that rooted in slavery that, you know, that we have to, um, we have to be conscious of the threat. And, and you know, with the Ahmaud uh, Arbery case, where you have two civilians, three civilians actually, responsible for killing a black man who was doing nothing more than drawing. Um, I feel like that issue is probably one of the most powerful issues that I've published today. What kind of feedback do you get from stories like that and stories that resonate so deeply with your readership? Well, the, well, one of the, I would say that the most feedback I got from it is that one, it was very shocking because of how I phrased the words on the cover <laughs> because it was a very, I, I felt that it, it was warranted. I felt that it needed to be uncensored and, and straight to the point because that's the, I mean, that's really how I felt in the moment. You know, I think, and I think that it resonated, it definitely resonated with our audience because I, a vast majority of our audience relates to it directly because it's something that they contend with on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I can't even, I still can't digest the entire event that took place, right? And then the movement that took place after that, and it has continued. What kind of residual effect has this past summer and COVID had on your publication? Well, I think that it, it, it made us, because we're digital, because we're digital, it was, you know, it, it, it did a great job as far as, well, it allowed us to reach more people because more people, less people were outside going to newsstands to pick up information. And with our publication, you can, you know, you can read urban from your laptop, your your tablet, or your mobile phone. So it increased our reach. But I think that what it did as far as our focus and our awareness of what's going on in the culture, because we weren't distracted by other things like sports and you know, um, and we, you know, outside engaging on a one-to-one -one basis, we really had the minute, we really had the pause that was necessary for us to to address something that was impacting us over and over, but wasn't necessarily giving its due energy. So listen, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month and we're building just awareness for resources, um, the need for mental health. And I want you to walk me through your experience with mental health 
and how that has affected you as a man of color in this society right now, you know, post George Floyd? Well, I, th I think that it's so important. Self-care is the best care, as they say. I think that with the, with the things that we were facing on a day-to-day -day basis, it's important for us to explore methods and, you know, and to remain balanced and centered. And there's no shame in needing help or no shame in seeking treatment or therapy um, because, you know, in order for us to contend with the things that we deal with in a positive way, you know, I mean, when you think about it, how many people are in prison because in a moment they, you know, they, they, they had a moral collapse or a bad judgment under the pressures of day-to-day -day life. There's a lot of people that are in prison right now that when they woke up that morning, they had no intentions of ever risking it all in whatever, you know, whatever action they, that led them there. So I think that it's important for us to practice, you know, mental wellness and, and to understand that there, you know, to remove the stigma because there is no shame in that. So personally, um, how has mental health affected your life negatively or positively? How do you take care of yourself and what has been a situation in your life that you would have suggested someone seek help? Can you share that? Yes, I can. Um, me personally, how I, I'm fortunate that, you know, my, my sister is, has a master's in psychology and, um, you know, due to her, I would say due to her <laughs> constantly doing, performing unsolicited psychoanalytics, it gives us a chance, <laughs> you know, you know, she always psychoanalyzing. So, you know, but it gave it, I, I find comfort in the fact that when I do feel weighted down or I do, you know, I do feel anxiety or I do feel pressure that I have people around me that I can talk to and, you know, that, and especially in her case, someone that has some professional experience. So, it, it helps level me out because it's a lot to contend with. You know, there's so many, there's so, there's so much responsibility in doing the things that I do because there's so many, you know, it's very impactful. Like, you know, I have the ability to influence or, you know, to, to any degree, um, our readership. I can, I can, I can shape the way a person I can shape a person's entire perspective on a subject and that comes with a responsibility. And that's something that I take care of. I don't want people to, um, I, I, I want to move responsibly and I don't want to, you know, um, cause we all come with our own baggage and it's about, it's not about eliminating the baggage cause that's, that's somewhat impossible, but it's, it's about figuring out a way to navigate through life so that you, that, that your experience, are beneficial to you and not hindrances. Um, you know, I've, I've experienced, um, you know, I experienced what it's like to deal with a person that is that refuses to seek help when they needed it. You know, it, it led to the collapse of my marriage um, and it impacted the kids. And, you know, it, it, it was, it was, um, it was a big point 
in my life. It, it, I mean, it, it led to a whole lot of um, what I would deem to be avoidable um, pain for myself and, and the family as a whole. So I, I, I'm definitely an advocate for people to seek help, you know, and, and, and nobody, there's no, there's no shame in that, you know? Um, eventually, you know, she went and got sought, finally sought the help that she needed, but, you know, unfortunately the damage had been done, you know? So, you know, I, I just think that it's, I just think that it's very important for people, for us to remove the stigma from it. So listen, you, one of the things I love about your publication is you say, what is it? I, we live the culture. You don't just write about it, you right. live it. So you are right. well versed in the fact that us people from urban cultures do not go seek uh, mental health. That was not a thing before, but it's more of a thing now. And I'm trying to figure out how do we convey that to those that are still living in what it used to be. To the culture, what have you been able to see um, as the most effective way that we are able to swing the pendulum to a place where it's not just go to church and pray about it, but it's actually go to therapy and figure it out and get your life together. Have you been able to witness that in the media, not just in the culture? Like, talk to me about that. Well, I think that as as the years have passed, I think that writers have taken on a responsibility that it's very important for us to tell these stories and tell them in a way that breaks the cycle of pain. Um, you know, because especially in Black culture, as well as some other, you know, some of the other people of color, you know, we have, we suffer from the redistribu redistribution of pain. You know, however, what my grandfather did to my father, what my father done to me and me, me in turn with my children and my, you know, my son. So it's important for us to share these stories, to create a place of comfort, to create a space for people to be safe, to come to share their stories and share their pain to say, you know, I want my son to be able to come to me and say, hey, dad, it, you know. I'm not okay. I'm not, I'm not, you know, these are the things going on in my life. I'm not okay. You know, um, often, often we tend to not take these opportunities or create these spaces and, and think about these things until it's too late, you know, and then we have the woulda, coulda, shoulda. I wish I had provided this space. You know, I, I learned, I learned as a parent that it's important that if you want your children to come to you, and to share things with you that you have to create a space for them to be safe and they feel safe in sharing these things. So I think that writers are taking a responsibility to create stories and using their platforms in, in, a, in a wise and responsible manner to encourage people to seek help when they need it. Okay, I'm gonna play the devil's advocate for a minute. Maybe your publication is doing that, but do you see that there might be spaces where there are media that actually glorify some of the things that lead to continued mental illness in our culture? 
Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, I was censored on Hot 97 because I made a statement. <laughs> I made a statement about when 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 Axe was separated urban from um, other other media outlets. I was like, because urban is black owned, our 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 interest in alignment is different to where we're people mm. who live in the culture. We're you know, like everything, everything is connected. Everything is connected. So, you know, like some of the media conglomerates, they're so far away from their culture that in the process of seeking to enrich themselves, they may make decisions that are detrimental to the very people who read or view their, you know, their, their form of media. And I think that is important because I understand that the people, the a majority of the people that read Urban Magazine look like me. And and in that, you know, there's a responsibility for it. You know, like for one, let's say let's say if we took it to the musical platform, a rapper that promotes gang life early in his 20s, he has a child, he has a child maybe in his late 20s. When he reaches 40, that child is going to possibly come in contact with the, the same people that he negatively influenced, that he made it okay. And one thing that we have to stop doing in the culture is making things, only having a problem with things when it impacts us. It's okay to, to, to promote um, you know, toxic masculinity, misogyny and everything until these people, until the people who live that life do something or engage with us in a in a very violent way or a very detrimental way, and that's too late. So I think that you know I I have I have a stepchildren that that live here in New York. I have a son that lives here in New York. So I, I want to do my part in ensuring that he's safe by pushing you know by shaping the narrative that's conducive to that. I don't want to glorify violence because I know that there's a price for that. And in that same respect, when we do hit on things that we know that we should not only not be glorifying, but fighting against or fighting to end, talk to me about how you use urban to play a part in the betterment of the black community, the urban community. Well, there's just some things that are not, you know, there's some things that I feel that are not suitable for my publication, you know, and I and I think that there's enough other publications that provide the coverage of that kind of content. So I, I'm not, I don't feel pressure to do so. I feel like that's what sets my publication apart. Now, you know, I wanna be clear, there's a difference between sharing, you know, negative realities and glorifying them. It's one thing to say, well, these things happen. These these kind of um, these kind of stories do take place in real life. But it's another thing to 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 glorify them, to glamorize them to a point where some people might, you know, some people might believe that it's encourageable to to follow, you know, follow those steps. For example, if you ever seen The Godfather, right? I don't know anybody who's seen Godfather one, two, and three, and, and really paid attention to the actual storyline. Right. That that's the life he spends. 
He spends three three movies trying to get out of the life. That's the whole premise of the of the of of the series. Like, but we don't tell that part. You see, right now, if you watch The Godfather and you say, "Hey, I want to." Um, I want to join the mafia or I want to, you know, form, be a part of this kind of organization, then you have missed the whole point. You have, you have just skipped, you have just missed the whole story, <laughs> you know? So I think that it's important, you know, I think that it's, it's, I think that it's important that we are very transparent and honest in our communication and how these stories are told that, you know, these are you don't want to grow up to be Bumpy Johnson. You don't want to grow up to be, uh, you know, you don't want to grow up to be Scarface. Scarface doesn't. It's not a happy ending at the end of that movie. It's not. It's not something that you should want for yourself or others. You know, I mean, by the time by the time Michael Corleone died at the end of Godfather Three from old age, he has lost his brothers. He has lost his father. Everybody. He has lost. Um, his wife, he's pretty much by himself. Lost his mind. Just him and his daughter, who his daughter managed to, right. So you, you, when you think about it, what was it all worth? What was it all worth? You know, it's okay to say no to things. It's, it's okay to look out for your own well-being because some of these, I, you know, at fifty-one, I've, I've seen, I've, I've never seen that story play out. I've never seen a drug dealing story or, 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 you know, any kind of street crime story play out outside of one or two ways. I've seen people go to jail for football numbers and I've seen people die. So yeah. I, I just think that it's important that, you know, if you're going to tell these stories, tell these stories in a way that gets to the, that, that there's a point. You know, you don't watch Boys in the Hood and think, Hey, I want to be like, I want to be like Doughboy at the end of the movie, because you know Doughboy dies at the end of the movie. So, you know, you know, you, you shouldn't think that that's cool. You shouldn't think that that's that's something that you should want to pursue. I, you know, I think there's yet and still we, yet and still we do still have those, right? So, I guess my question would be as a as a black man, as a man of color, in those moments where we witness that uh, short-term satisfaction behavior coming out, how do we step in and and help them pivot? Because I think now we're to a point to where we would be considered kind of elders. And hopefully um, if we've lived a certain type of life, they know that we have experience to be able to share with them. At the same time, they're still a little hot-headed and, and you know, uh, spontaneous. How do we step in and change that that thinking? Because we still run into the, I want to be a dough boy. Like, what is this? Well, I think that, I mean, realistically, we can only change have to take place within. We can provide the option and the information. You know, the saddest thing that some of the, one of the saddest things I ever heard is a person say, well, I didn't see any success stories in my neighborhood, or I didn't see any success stories in my environment. Um, I I inter recently interviewed a CEO of a of a tech company, and he was telling me how you know one of the reasons that he made the choices that he made is because 
and and the environment that he grew up in, it wasn't reality. It, 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 the reality was that you had to be a hustler. Um, now, while understanding that there are those areas that that exist here in America and across the world, I but everybody everybody's not on that kind of time. Everybody is not hustling or making these choices simply because you know, because there were no positive um, role models and stuff in their environment. That's not, that's not true. I think that a great deal of people, you know, make these bad choices, especially the ones as far as the drug dealing and stuff is concerned, out of greed. You know, when you can't, you can't, if your mama buys you a pair of Jordans, you can't tell me that you're hustling to feed your family. I'm just, I'm not right. believing that. I don't, I don't believe that. I, I, if you could for if your parents are if your parents are seeing you to school with two hundred dollars interest on, you're not you. That's not why you're hustling. You're hustling because, you, you know, you're hustling out of greed. You're hustling out of being taking the easy way out. Um, and we have to be honest about those things. Um, but I think that well, you know, change comes from within. So it's important for us to provide the example. You know, I could show the people here in my community that you can you can accomplish things. You don't have to go out here and hit the street. You don't have to be on the corner, because here at least at least here where I live at, that's not something. We you know there's 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 no there's very few and far between people living that kind of life where it was where they're compelled to do it, where they have no choice to do it, and they're fully aware of the consequences. So I, I think the, the thing that we can do is just by providing the examples and ensuring that, you know, for those that do want to seek a better life, that we're here for it and we're here to mentor them and guide them through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and while we're on that subject, the easy way out, I know that entrepreneurship is not the easy way out. So talk to me about why you have chosen the way of the entrepreneur, the hard way out. Instead of, I don't know, just working for somebody else because you are incredibly qualified. So talk to those people that um, struggle with entrepreneurship and knowing that it's not easy, even though there are people out there that think it's the easiest thing ever because we make it look like it's easy. Actually, we don't. The bags under my eyes show that it's not. <laughs> but um, talk to me about that struggle. And again, specifically about your entrepreneurship, how you stay um, in a great headspace because you deal with people. So your options really are limited in that. Well, I, I, I've come up, um, I, I've always wanted to do the things that I'm doing. I've, I've been trying to be in the entertainment industry probably for, for most of my life. It was something that I've always wanted to do. Um, my parents come up from Georgia, you know, and they, um, I'm first generation New York. So, mm. you know, they, their, their path, their beliefs are a lot different than mine. And they, they probably, they weren't as supportive of these things when, when I was a kid because it wasn't part of their reality. Um, but, you know, after I, I joined the army, I served in, um, I, I served in Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And, you know, after, after leaving the army, I brought my medals home to my parents and I was like, Hey, listen, I, 
you know, I did this to make you proud of me. This is what you wanted me to do. And, you know, and it came at a cost. And it came, and, you know, it came at a cost. And it could have cost me my life trying to be what you wanted me to be. So here's these medals. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm going to go and do my own thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and do my own thing for the rest of this journey. For my rest of my time on the planet, I'm going to go and do my own thing. Now, if I never, if, if you're never proud of anything else that I do, you have these. So you, you can do that. <laughs> so I, I call. I'm. I'm always going to be an honorable, you know, a, a combat veteran that served honorably for the country. So what I choose to do with the rest of my life, and I decided that I was going to pursue this. And I, you know, and it's. I, I won't pretend that it's, it was easy all the time. Um, I've, I've definitely. I always tell this story, right? I was like, you know, when my marriage collapsed and, and you know, I was left with my son. I was left with my nine-year-old son. And it was kind of like pursuit of happiness, except I had better friends. I, I just, I definitely <laughs> had better friends. So, um, but I, I, you know, I, I know what it's like. I know what it was like for me. I know what it was like for me to, um, you know, I, I, I had, Shortly after we were evicted, because things just—I mean—it it was just a bad fall. And um, but I still had the magazine. I still had the Urban Magazine website, and I—I I remember that I had—I um, was supposed to move into an apartment, and I—I I was told that I had the apartment. And then the day that I was supposed to move in the apartment, I found out I didn't have the apartment. Oh my so god! My son coming out—it was terrible. I mean, here's my son. My son comes out of school. I'm I'm literally like I don't know where we're sleeping at tonight. I'm I'm taking him to the library to distract him, you know, so that he can distract himself with books and stuff while I figure out where we're going to live, where we're going to sleep at that night. And it was it was it was I called my sister up and it was it was like it was one of those moments where it was a very pivotal moment for me because you know I, I I'm I've I've never been a street dude like that, you know, but I grew up around people. I I, I know some people. So <laughs> to I do could, some things. I, I could I, I, Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I mean in that moment the desperation hits you and you're like in that moment you're like, yo, listen, I don't care if the whole block is sniffing crack and smoking crack. I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna let my, <laughs> we got my to, son hit We're gonna have somewhere to live. We're about Right, we're gonna have somewhere to live, but you know, fortunately, fortunately for me, that my family and friends, um, that I have people in my life that believe in what I'm doing and understand that for to see me, I'm trying not to get emotional about it, but to see me, they weren't going to see me fall, and they weren't going to see me risk everything that I worked so hard to build. And, and and to throw it side to go sideways for just a moment, just panicking in the moment. So you know, but I think that you know, which um, you know, like I said, and having that experience, you know, you 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 gotta you gotta believe in God or you know the Most High, but you gotta have faith in yourself. Mm -hmm. You gotta believe in yourself, and you gotta believe in yourself wholeheartedly because sometimes you're gonna be all you have. 
all all the writers, all the editors, everybody could quit tomorrow. I gotta make sure these issues are rolled out. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> you know. But I learned, I learned from my, you know, the, the advertisers is not trying to hear. Yo, they don't care about the writers quitting if, if there's a revolt. They don't care about that. They just want get the, it the together. Yeah, I gotta make it happen. And I want my I ROI learned, for them uh, right. ads. Right, and what I learned from my moment, what I learned from that moment, is that in in the sheer panic of things, that if I stay calm and stay focused, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna make it my way mm. through it. And then that that point, and that guides me, and you know that guides me through through all the tough times because I know that at the end of the day. I'm not going to let myself down. You're not going to fold. Now, where did you learn that from? Your parents or the military or both? Um, I learned it. Well, my parents, my father and mother, they were very, my mother had a um, sixth grade education. My father had an eighth grade education. And somehow through their hard work and perseverance, they, um, they purchased a home here in New York at 22 mm. and 21. You know, like I've never, I've never, I, I think maybe for the first, I, I want to say for maybe for the first year, and I can't, I clearly can't remember that. Um, most of my life, as far as back I can remember, I always lived in a, in a home that my parents owned. You know, mm. my parents, they really, they really, they really, you know, they got educated. My mother became a teacher. My my father, you know, he became a truck driver and he was an entrepreneur. You know, he had some moments of where he dabbled in entrepreneurship. So, um, you know, I've, I've seen what they can do. And my father always told me that, to, you know, he always encouraged me to believe that within our people, you know, that, that we have magic within us that, you know, now, whether whether he meant it literally or not, it doesn't matter. I'll take it. I'll take it. He meant it literally or not, but you know, or you know, but it was important to believe that we can do anything that we put our mind to, um, yeah. and and that's that stuck with me, and you know, like and the military reinforced it. You know, there were times out there where. You know, I, I, you know, you know that, you know, um, I was in a convoy that got ambushed, our, our convoy got ambushed. And, you know, you have to make a decision whether or not you're going to keep moving forward. Because knowing that if you stay still, that you're jeopardizing not only your lives, but the lives of the people behind you. You're sitting target. So, you know, you learn, right, you learn in that moment that what kind of, how you're built. You learn in that moment how you're built. Are you the guy that panics and freezes? Are you the guy that says, you know what? I'm gonna go forward and you know let the pieces fall. I know what I know how I'm built. So it it, it that shape that that played a factor in it. You know? I love that. I, I mean, love that. You know, at, at worst, I at worst I call I work at worst, I can always go and get a job at Amazon or something. <laughs> I, I got to worry about no bullets flying. <laughs> so, you know. I, yeah. You know, but, 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 you know, at, at worst, I, you know, at worst, I can always go and drop a. To me, I, I, I say that as, as worse, but at worst, I can always go and drop a desk for one of these media conglomerates if I chose to do so. But I like 
I like showing up in the room with a brand that I own. I like what that feels like. I, you know, I went to a power junket one time and I saw my colleagues at um, BT and Vibe and the Gothamist and all these other publications. And I was there with Irvin in the same room doing the, I brought my best friend from with me to do the on on camera interview, you know, the same thing that they did. So, yeah, but it was mine. And, Living and your dream. That means something. Right. And that means yep. something. there's power in and, that. And so, living so. your dream is about your dream, not someone else's dream for you. Absolutely. I mean, you got to believe you got to, you know, I think that and now understand this. What I'm about to say, there's no shame. If if, if you're flipping out at McDonald's, there's no shame in that. If you're happy doing that. Yeah. But nobody, I, I don't believe anybody wakes up, anybody as a child says, hey, my 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 childhood dream is to flip fries at McDonald's. Somewhere in there, there's some choices and there's some compromises that, that lead to, to your arrival at that part in your life. And I think that is important that if you have a dream, if you have a vision, uh, ambition to do something, you got to pursue your dreams ruthlessly. You got to be pragmatic about it. You got to live and breathe it. Like there is no plan B. There, there is no plan B. Plan B, plan B is making sure plan A happens. Yeah. You know, and 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 doing the due diligence and riding the wave. Now it's not going to be easy, and there's some days you're going to hate it. Don't think that you know. There's some mornings I wake up and I'm like, yo, listen. I need to hit Barry Burrows on that BG and get a job. I, I need to call Dave trying over at Vibe and say, yo, bro, I'm back. I'm back. I'm ready to, I'm ready to do it. <laughs> but, you know, and, you know, back in the day, I was making 70 cents to a dollar a word. So, I mean, you know, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a bad life. But I'm just saying, but, I, you know, but I got my own brand. Yeah, and, and we celebrate that. Especially as a person of color, it's it's a, right. It's important to own something, you know. Yeah. Ownership is key. Like yourself, when I see people like yourself, yeah, you know, they you could be Michael Jordan, or you could be the guy that signs Michael Jordan's checks. Mm. We might we what don't have say? to settle for being Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> He said, you can be Michael Jordan or something. Yes, absolutely. So listen, before we get out of here, Father's Day is coming up. I want you to tell me what Father's Day looks like um, to you now. What what does that look like to you? What brings you the most joy? Um, being, a, being a father, a Black father these days, as much fear as they pump into us, um, there's some things still to celebrate. So talk to me about that. Well, for one, we're not going to get the gifts. Mothers, mothers get the best <laughs> gifts of the year. We're not. We're going. We're going to get some raggedy cards and and, and a couple of hugs. <laughs> might, might get a meal or two. We might get a meal or two. It depends on the politics. It, it depends on the politics with the other half. It depends. But I, right. I'm proud to be a father. I I mean, there's you know I, I kid, but there's you know there's no greater. I think, you know, raising my child from adulthood, from childhood to adulthood, from nine years old to, to becoming a grown man on my own was one of the greatest accomplishments that I, I've done. I think that all the other things that I've done in life are, are, are 
are, are my, are minute compared to that. Um, you know, and I, the whole responsibility for a whole human being and, and knowing that the things you do and the things you don't do are going to greatly shape how this young person grows and, and, and who they aspire to become. So I think that, uh, see, I got deep. No more. <laughs> I got deep <laughs> you went there. <laughs> you know, but I think it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I think it's important. I think. Like, you know, during the separation, during the separation, um, you know, my child, it was presented, the choice was presented to him. And, you know, people in my family and friends, there were, some of them, some of them were like, you know, listen, cut her a check, you know, don't, you know, why would you, why would you make your life harder? Or, you know, why would you add on, you know, not add on the responsibility, but why would you take the boatload of the responsibility yourself? And to me, you know, my son wanting to live with me, how, how as a man, do I deny him that? Man. When the only thing he, when the only thing he wants in this entire world is to live with me, how do I deny him that? So, you know, it, it's, it's the greatest thing I've ever done. You know, it's, it's the, it's the most beautiful, amazing, challenging. You're going to grow. It's going to push you to grow. You know, um, you know, I, there's a lot of people out now that they're walking around the streets now that 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 can be thankful of the fact that fatherhood saved us. Yes, <laughs> yes. Fatherhood, fatherhood made you know the fact that you know when you love something, someone more than you love yourself, and the responsibility mm. that comes with that. You, you know, it's easy to make the right choices. It's easy to do. I, you know, I didn't want to miss a day. And in fact, I think that throughout his entire life, up until he became an adult, I would say that I've probably missed, there's probably been less than a month up until he became an adult that I didn't, my son didn't hear or see from me every day when mm. it was possible. Anytime that it was possible, I always checked in on my son. In fact, for the first, I would say for the first, I don't know, 15 years of his life, I probably only missed seven days. Wow. That's dope. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I think it's a responsibility. I think fathers need to show up for their children, you know, and, and be there. You can't, you know, that's, that's the, I mean, um, Dr. Naeem Akbar says that a, a man doesn't define his, you don't define your manliness or your manhood in a piece of flesh that dangles below your navel. Mm. It's the responsibility, it's the leadership, it's, 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 being, it's being who you say you are and doing what you say you're going to do. It, it, you know, like when you think of, when I think of the, the definition of being a man, any father that's out here being a good father to his child, showing up for him, you know, um, you know the check doesn't the check doesn't minimize the responsibility of being present. Yes. You know, I think it's a beautiful thing, and so I'm as as you know, I I I I think that you know, I, me personally as a father, I'm happy for what I the 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 the, the beautiful young man that I've raised. You know, now that yeah. he's grown, though, <laughs> it's a whole different story. 
the life life is different now. <laughs> life is totally different now. So yeah, sure. my Father Day present to me is not having any kids in the house no more. It's being, <laughs> it's being free. That's my Father Day. I love it. So why don't you tell the people how they can keep up with you, keep up with the magazine, um, where they need to go to stay connected. All right. Well, you can keep up with me at at Ben Original One Word. It's Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can find me on Facebook the same way. Um, you can follow the magazine at at Urban Magazine on those aforementioned platforms. You can follow the Cardi Live. She's the editor in chief. She's my best friend, my partner. You know, that's that's the homie. So you gotta follow her too. I I, I won't be selfish. I, you gotta follow her too. Um, you know, feel free to follow me. Hit me up. Um, be cordial. Be cordial. Act like you know. Act like you got some raisin, and you'll be okay. Cause I, cause I'll block you if you don't. I'll definitely block you if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> if you need therapy, go get it before you start sending him these messages. No, I'm just playing. Or, or you might need therapy after I block you. Who knows? <laughs> you might need In all seriousness, I appreciate no, but, you. No, but I... I, right. I appreciate all you do. I appreciate what you bring to the profession. And I definitely appreciate our camaraderie. Like I think um, it's important to have people you respect and can collaborate with and do a little give and take. And I just wanted to um, thank you for your time today. Thank you for being here and sharing your stories with us. Well, thank you for having me. And I just want to say again, thank you for facilitating our biggest selling cover to date. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate hey, you. you know, I got something else for you coming soon. All right, I got you. You always got. <laughs> I'll make a few pages for you, so it's all good. It. Whatever you need. All right. I love it. Thank you so much. Have an amazing rest of your day, and happy Father's Day. Thank you so much, and happy Father's Day 